Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. One of the Sundays that on the Christian calendar is one that we recognize and something that we take time to remember. Let's, let's pray together as our children leave. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing on us as we open your word, as we continue to worship through your word, continue to seek your face, be with our young people as they learn, as they serve. Uh, we just thank you for the leaders who uh, every week uh, spend time preparing to serve them. Bless this time now in Christ's name. Amen. So Palm Sunday, you know, one of the essential teachings of the Christian faith is what we call the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And the Bible tells us that he accepted our humanity. He wasn't half God and half man. He was fully God and fully man. The Bible tells us that he was even tempted in all ways like we are throughout our life. He experienced humanity in all aspects except, of course, for sin. Now, on on Palm Sunday, as we read this, it's generally a Sunday that sort of has an aura of celebration, right? Rejoicing. They came into Jerusalem and they rejoiced and the people cried, Hoshena, save now, save now, and quoted from the Old Testament. And it had this messianic celebration and joyous feel to it as you read the Gospels. And as we celebrate, and the kids came in with the palm leaves waving, and the, and the people who worked, the adults that work with them and so forth. It's a celebration. Now I was thinking about the fact that as Jesus embraced our humanity fully, that what would it mean as a human on Friday to know completely that, or on Sunday, I mean, on Sunday, that the following Friday you were going to die and you were going to suffer torture in that death? What would that, as a human, as the human side of the Lord Jesus Christ, what did that mean? To come in with this celebration and this messianic fervor, knowing that in less than a week you will suffer death. We're going to come Friday night to remember that. I hope you can come. It's going to be a one-hour service at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a communion service. And it is a somber service because it's a night that we remember Jesus Christ died. Let that sink in for a minute. He was God, but he experienced death for me and for you. What would that mean for you and for me? What would it mean for me if I knew right now, in less than a week, I was going to die? I don't mean to be morbid this morning. You know, we've been celebrating and worshiping. But I want you to think about this because one of the one of the songs that we sang earlier, we saw the, the words up there, "For me to die is gain." What would this mean? What was what is this passion of Jesus Christ? We call this the Passion Week. 
the Passion Week. It was a week of his passion. As he said, I, when they said, don't go to Jerusalem, his disciples even, they said, don't go there. And, and, and he said, I must go there. And he told them that the Son of Man must suffer and die. And Thomas, right? Thomas is the one who spoke up and said, let's go die with him. Let's go die with him. Remember that next time you hear Doubting Thomas. He's the one who spoke up and said that. What would it mean? Philippians chapter 1, which our worship team led, uh, read to us this morning, is our section of Scripture, and I think it fits well with our meditation on Palm Sunday and the passion of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Philippians chapter 1, and if you have an NIV Bible, you'll notice there's sort of a break right in the middle of the end of verse 18, ends with, and because of this, I rejoice, and they have a heading in there, at least my, I'm sorry, that's probably my Schofield Bible, Paul's expectation of deliverance. And then he begins, yes, I will continue to rejoice. I just want to remind you, you're going to see this word rejoice and joy several times in this chapter. This is a theme of Philippians. Joy is clearly one of the key themes of Philippians. Joy, rejoice, joy. And Paul says this, for I know, I know Philippians, that through your prayers and also the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. Paul, Paul borrows from the Old Testament. He, this is a verbatim quote, interestingly enough, a verbatim quote, and his Jewish audience would have picked this up from Job chapter 13, verse 16. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. This will turn out for my deliverance. He quotes from the book of Job here, and he talks about the, the suffering and the things that what he's going through. And you notice the relationship between the prayers of the saints and the assistance or the support of the, has to be the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. The prayers of the saints and the help of the Holy Spirit that together Paul says, I know this is going to turn out for my deliverance. I know I'm going to be delivered. I'm confident of this. And that's interesting that he says that because then he turns around right at the end and says, whether by life or by death. How, how would his death be deliverance? As you read this passage, you will see Paul's anticipation. that he Remember the context. Paul is in Roman custody. He is under house arrest. He is a prisoner, and he will be for two years in, in prison in Rome when he writes these prison epistles. That's why we call them the prison epistles. He writes to the church at Philippi, whom he has this wonderful close relationship with. And he wants to see them again. And he's, and he's, and he's expecting he will see them. We'll see this passage that he, he, he really thinks he's going to be delivered and see them again. But he reminds them, as you continue to pray for me, as the Holy Spirit ministers and works, and you'll notice there's sort of judicial language. He's talking about his, his legal situation here when he says, my hope is, my, my prayer is, that, 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 in, that, that I will never be ashamed in verse 20. That I won't be ashamed. But I will have sufficient courage that this has to have to do with his, 
his courage under his, his situation. He's, he's going to have trial. He's going to have sentencing. We believe he is released from this, this prison situation and travels and then is rearrested later and is executed. That's unknown at this point. And so he says, continue to pray for me. You know, I always, this is important when we read of these apostles. We read of these individuals who are people just like us. And when they ask for prayer, and when they say, pray that I won't be discouraged, pray that I won't be ashamed. I mean, is there a possibility that he's afraid? Could it happen? Could I get in front of the Roman government? And could I, could I let up? What, might, might I be ashamed? I need strength. I need help. Don't ever be embarrassed to ask for help. Don't ever be embarrassed to ask for prayer. Don't ever be ashamed that, that you need strength in hard situations. I think this is what Paul is saying. Pray for me. The Holy Spirit's helping me. Pray for me. But I know this will turn out for deliverance. And as I go before, as I go before the Roman government and I will be sentenced and either released or held longer, or sentenced to something worse, possibly conviction, possibly death, I want you to continue to pray for me. And he asked them for that. And he asked that he would have courage. Why? His courage is that Christ will be exalted in, in his body. Paul says, in my, in my body, in my human life, I want Christ to be lifted up. I want Christ to be praised. This is all that mattered to the Apostle Paul. And we come this really, this, this, this verse here is one that I think is, is very well known. It's quoted often. It's quoted often. It's in songs. It's in poetry. It's, you know, hymns. It's one that, that we, I think we all, if you've been around Paul's writings at all in the church, you may be familiar with this. Paul says this, for me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So this is in the context of saying, whether by life or death, I don't know how this is going to work out. I hope I can come and see you again, we're going to see. But it's going to be my deliverance, because no matter what happens, I will be delivered to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Greek, this is a very, very concise statement. Literally, it just says this, to live Christ, to die gain. That's what it says literally in the Greek, to live Christ, to die gain. Now we have to supply the word is to make sense in the English most likely, but to live Christ, to die gain. A short, concise, verbless sentence. To live is Christ. To die is gain. To die is gain. I want you to think about this is not a tension between life and death. This is not any kind of death wish. This is not a suicidal thought. Paul is simply expressing the truth of his situation. Now I want you to think about this. You know, I asked you earlier, what would it look like if, if you knew for sure in, in, within, within a week you would die? But we have good news, don't we? We have good news. And it's because of Easter. It's because of Good Friday. And it's because of the resurrection that we can all agree with Paul. And we can say this. I mean, think about that. Think about your situation as a Christian. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you've accepted his payment for your sin and the cross of Calvary, and he is your Lord, think of this. To live is Christ. To die is gain. This is a man, remember, who has been stoned and left for dead. They thought he was dead. He was resuscitated by the Lord. 
This is a man who was whipped physically multiple times, almost to the point of death. 39 lashes supposedly was one short of death. This is a man who's been beaten. This is a man who has suffered imprisonment, hunger, all the things that he's, he's been abused, what he's been through. He, this is a man, he had to have had the physical scars all over his body from these kind of treatments. He had to have. And this is a man who, who you, you could look at that and say, well, man, if, it, if that was your life, and, and, if Paul is, and if Paul is let out of prison, is there any reason why he wouldn't expect the same? Would he expect that once he's out of prison and he starts visiting churches again, that this time it's going to be different? This time everybody's going to be happy to see him all. There won't be any enemies. There won't be any. Or, or is, is this something that he can look forward to and continue? But Paul says, you know what? It doesn't really matter. What matters is that Christ is exalted in my body, whether it's by life or by death. For to me, live is Christ, die is gain. And then he goes on to explain why. And he gives an explanation here. Look what he says. Verse 22, he explains it. If I am to go on living in this body, now you notice he doesn't say, he doesn't limit living essentially. He just says, if I live in this body, that means it's possible to live outside the body. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. This will mean fruitful labor. If I am allowed to continue to live, even, even in prison, I will continue to have fruitful labor and ministry. This is why I, I, I want to continue to live. It'll be fruitful. It'll bring fruit. It'll bear fruit. You know, ministry and service to God so often is compared to fruit. This is the time of year that you might be planting things, right? It's a little cold right now. We, I planted a whole bunch of grass seed. I hope it grows, you know, because I don't want to have to replant it. Um, and I go out there and look at it and think, wow, I hope, I hope uh, someone here who's in, who's, uh, who knows a lot more than this than me said, it's okay, it'll grow, it'll grow. So I have confidence. But this is the time of year. You plant, but you have to wait for the harvest. You know, these, these, these children that were up here, you know, earlier this, this morning and then down in service now, um, it, 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 it's bearing fruit. You need to be patient. You need to be patient with one another. It comes to fruition. It takes time to, to be nurtured in the soil, to grow, sometimes to be pruned, right? Anybody done any pruning this year yet? Huh? We, I think some happened out here. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, you do that to encourage growth. And Paul says, this, what my life is about fruitful labor. You know, what, what Paul invested in these churches the churches at Philippi, Colossae, the church at Corinth, Timothy, Titus, the church at Rome, where he is now. He invested in their lives. He didn't see all the product and all the result. You're not going to see, friends, you're not going to see all the result of your ministry and your service to God and your faithfulness to God. You're not going to see it all. But God is faithful. And he says, if I go on living, it's going to mean fruitful ministry. And because of that, Paul says... I'm good with that. I want to, I, I'm real, I'm willing to live. I'm willing to stay here. It'll be fruitful labor. Yet, most of the he says, what will I choose? I do not know. If, if you get, if you gave it to, if Paul said, if you gave me the choice and you asked me today, do you want to continue living 
Or do you want to die? That's, a, that's an ominous word, right? We don't like to talk about that. In fact, we, we avoid using that word. We have all sorts of other ways to say it. Paul has no problem saying it. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul says, you know what? If you, if you were to ask me, I don't, I don't know what I would choose. If the choice were up to me, I don't know what I would choose. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to be honest with you. If you were to ask me that today, I would choose life. I would choose life. Hey, <laughs> right? I would choose life. Paul says, you know, he's in a unique place. He's in a very unique place. You know, you know why he's in a unique place? He tells us in the book of Corinthians, which is a much earlier epistle, that there was a man. He doesn't say it was me. I, I look at that passage and I say, I don't know how this could be anybody else. That's my own opinion. I wouldn't be dogmatic, but that's my opinion, the way he describes it. And if it wasn't him, it was at least somebody he knew well. He says, there was a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know whether this was a a, a vision, whether an experience, I, I don't know, but he was caught up to the third heaven. And he heard things inexpressible. That means this experience, if it were Paul, which I think it was, he was actually somehow caught up into heaven. He doesn't say he saw things. He doesn't even say that. He just says he heard things. His his ears heard things in heaven that he he couldn't even in human language explain to you. But it, whatever it was, it was so wonderful. Paul says, in order to keep me humble, a thorn was given in my flesh. Because I could really glory in this. I could really glory in what I heard. It was so beautiful. It was so wonderful. I could really, I could really get to extremes on this. And God says, no, you can't. I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh to keep you humble, to remember. This is about me, not about you. And he says, I beg, I beg God three times. Would you please take this thorn in the flesh away? Take it away so I can minister. God says, no. My grace is sufficient. You're going to live with that thorn in your flesh. You have a thorn in your flesh. We all have thorns in our flesh. It's, it's a metaphor. There are things in our lives that it would be so nice if God would just take those things away, wouldn't it? Have you ever asked that? Uh, have you ever asked God, say, you know, God, you could do this. I know you could do this. You could take this away. You could heal this person. You could, you could make this turn out for the good. But, but God does what God wants to do for his glory and his purposes. This is, this is a man who, when he says, I'd be okay with this. Look what he says here. He says, what will I choose? If you asked me today, Paul says, you asked me to choose, I don't know what I would choose. And he says, I am torn between the two. Actually, it's kind of interesting how that comes out in the English language because in the original language, it, it, what it really says is, I am hemmed in. I am pressed in. I'm on all sides. I can't get out. I'm hemmed in. We've used that phrase before. I assume it has something to do with sewing. You know, someone will explain to me after church, I'm sure. It has something to do with being hemmed in. I can't get out. 
That's, the, that's what the phrase clearly means. It comes out in our English. I, 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 I'm torn between the two. I'm stuck. And Paul says, here, why? here's why. I desire, my heart's desire is this, to, this is a, this is a nautical term, to, to cut the ropes and sail out. To loosen the, the, the ropes and to let the ship sail. That's what, that's what the word he uses here. So I'm torn between two. I'm hemmed in. I want to set sail. Why? Because I want to be with Christ. This is a man who heard things in heaven. He couldn't explain it if he, if he, if it was possible. But whatever his experience has been, it, it is so strong that Paul says, I, I'm ready. I want to be there. I can't wait to be there. I want to set sail and I want to be there. But the other side, what's hemming him in is it's more necessary for you, Philippians, that I remain in the body. This is his choice. Don't ask me to choose because on one hand, if it was up to me, I would go. But on the other hand, I would stay. Because if I stay, I know I can continue to help and serve and minister and preach the gospel and share the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I did that, and if I do that, and in fact, he says, I'm convinced of this in verse 25, I know that if I remain I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Listen, we use the term growing in our faith. And I understand when we are saved, we are sanctified. We are saved. We do not teach a works-based salvation in our church. But the Bible clearly talks about our growth and development, our maturity, our fruitfulness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul says, if I stay here, I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to see you continue to grow. I'm going to continue to see these young people grow up and serve. I'm going to continue to see people who are struggling have victory. I'm going to continue to see people learn more about God. I'm going to continue to see the gospel spread. I want to continue to be part of this growth. And he says, this is joyful. Here's the word joy again. If I remain, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And he says, that's my dilemma. And he's, pre- he's being pretty honest here, isn't it? I mean, this is really an honest passage of Scripture. I'm not sure I would write this to anybody <laughs> and say, don't ask me if I could choose, because you know what? I think if I, could, if I could, really, I'd rather leave you all and go and be with Christ. But I think I need to stay here and continue to help help you. This is pretty bold. This is pretty bold, but he's just pouring his heart out. Remember I told you, he is a, this is a friendship letter. He has a warm relationship with these people. He's being bold here. He's being honest. And in fact, when it comes down to it, some of you here can relate to this better. The older, the older you get, and the closer you get, and you realize, and we, all, we, all, we don't know, you know, but when we're younger, we don't know, we don't expect, we don't expect that our life here on earth will end soon. Sometimes it does. We all know that. And that's why that word die and death, it's a hard word. It's a hard word. We don't expect that. As you get older, you begin to expect, you begin to realize, I'm, I mean, I'm my age, I'm at the absolute outside. <laughs> Two thirds are gone, right? And one third is left. You do the math, okay? 
Some of you might be realistically, and some of you say, Pastor Jim, don't say that. You know what? Uh, I'm going to say it. Gonna, what, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to fire me? <laughs> I can say it because you know why? Because they have no problem. They'd say it. They would say it. Yeah, I, I know. I know that if you look at the percentages, I might be in the 20, 15, 10, 5, who knows? And there's those same people that tell me time after time after time, it's okay. It's okay. And they mean it. It's okay. But really, the only reason it's that I, I would feel bad about it is because I would leave the people here that I, that I love and I just love being part of their lives. I love being part of their growth. I love seeing them mature in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. They, I hear this all the time, friends. I hear it all the time. And it's not morbid. It's okay. And, and listen, take heart. When, 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 it, when it's you, it's going to be okay. I see this all the time. I mean, I live in, I live in a house that I grew up in. It's big old house down in Green Lake area that, you know, I would never buy today because it's way too big for just me and Teresa, except when 13 grandkids come over and everybody and the dogs that we babysit and all this kind of stuff, you know, then it's, then it's filled up. But I see this all the time. Your life kind of moves down to this, to this, to this, to this, to this. And oftentimes you end up in your room, your, your life is in a room quarter the size of this stage. And you know what? It's okay. Nothing to be, it's okay. Paul says, it's okay. It's okay that I'm saying this to you. It's okay because I want you to know that I really would rather be with the Lord because I've had a taste. I think that's what it is. And I want you to know it's okay. But it's okay to stay too. And he concludes this by saying this in verse 26. So that through my being with you once again, here's our word again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me, on account of God using me to be here. This word to be praised means to make large. You know, we've, the worship team has been helping us. You know, we call this our worship team because they're leading us in worship. The word praise in the Hebrew means to make large, to make big. In our hearts, we're making God big in our hearts. We're praising God. And Paul says, that's all that really matters. So he says, you know, really, if those of you that work in sales and so on, sometimes you use this phrase, talk about a win-win proposition, right? If I stay, I win. If I leave, I win. Listen, friends. This is the Passion Week. It's a week that we celebrate. Yes, it's sad on Friday night to think about what our Lord had to go through at Calvary. To, to think about, to think about the, 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 the torture, the physical torture He went through. And, and to think about Him, I think this is why He wept at, at the tomb of Lazarus. He, he knew the human condition. And he knew what he knew what was coming, and he was not looking forward to it. I mean, he knew, we're going to we're going to meditate on, think about this in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass. It it couldn't pass. That's why he came. How could he say that? It was so intense. 
It was, it was dreadful. It was death. But it's that death. It is that death and resurrection that has put us in the place today that I could stand here before you and bring you this wonderful news. As long as we're here, we win. And when God calls us home, we win. I mean, what else? What else is there? This is the Passion Week. I'd like to encourage you, and I encourage myself first, and I, and I, and I mean this. I mean this. I, I'm, I'm encouraging myself first. This, this, this week, this week, once again, it should be a journey for us. Let's start a journey this week. Let's journey together this week. Is there any reason why we cannot set aside some time each day this week to just stop and really think about and read about our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, friends, Paul did not say, for to me to live is my theology. Paul did not say, for me to live is the wonderful revelations God has given me about the body of Christ, which were wonderful. He did not say, for, for me to live it has to do with the way he thinks about me. He said, for me to live Christ. Christ. Man, can I say that? Can you say that? Can we say that to live? Our passion is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Should our lives not be that radical? Should our not faith be that radical that, that we get to the point where all that really matters is Christ first and everything else finds its place underneath that. Wow, what a way to live. It, it's good for us to be in a church family where it's not, it, it's not all teenagers. We love you teenagers. We need you. We need to be reminded of that freshness and some idealism. We need that. And we also need our seniors here to remind us this is what it looks like as we get closer to this, to this percentage and say, wow, it's okay. God is good. Look back over our lives. Has God ever let you down? Has God ever let you down? Have you ever been for a split second, even in, the, even in the worst possible scenario, have you ever been in a split second outside the hands of God? What a place to be. We need everybody. We need to be reminded together of this wonderful story. And I want to encourage you this week as we're going to close our service here and, and sing a song together and worship. Can we journey this week? Could we journey? Could I journey this week? And really... Is there any reason that I can't discipline myself to take time and you can't discipline yourself to take time and really spend some time, read the account over and over of the Passion Week. Prepare your hearts to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. To celebrate next Sunday when we come. We do this once a year and it's good we do this annually to remind ourselves 
what God has done for us, we have absolutely nothing to fear. Nothing. And the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I think what he's saying is, really, don't ask me. (laughs) Don't ask me, because I really can't. It's kind of embarrassing. I can't tell you. Don't take this wrong, everybody, but I really would rather go be with the Lord. (laughs) Don't take this wrong, Lord, but I really rather be here and continue to serve. Wow. What a way to live. Is it possible? Is it possible? Is it possible that we can live that way? Well, let's sing about it. Let's think about it. And let's continue to worship our Lord. Come on, you guys. Come up and lead our song. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for all these are busy people and they take time to practice and lead us in worship. We do appreciate it. We appreciate you a lot. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here today. Your presence is an encouragement to the family of God. Uh, nominating committee, real quickly, a very short meeting down in the lower lounge. You have to go down there to get down there now, right? But uh, get downstairs, lower lounge. The apostles, every one of them. Don't know about the apostle John for sure, but we're pretty sure all the apostles were all martyred for their faith. Paul and Peter, both about the same time in Rome. Peter's probably more gruesome because he wasn't a citizen. It would be interesting to see what their faces look like. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you this. I'm sure surrounding them was a fortress of God's peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's leave this place today, friends, with a smile on our face. Come on. Come on, smile. Come on. Hey. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. Let's leave with a smile on our face. We win. We win. You know why? Because God wins. And we belong to Him. Heavenly Father, uh, what a glorious day, Resurrection Sunday, every Sunday to come, to celebrate, to worship, to lift your name in praise. Uh, We come in here, Lord, with just a lot of thoughts, there's a lot of concerns, there's a lot of trouble in this world and trouble in our lives too, but may we leave this place with your peace, with your victory, and may the world know you win. God wins. Grace is good. And grace should be offered to everyone. In His wonderful name, all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen.